I'm excited about Easter service. Are y'all excited about Easter yeah. service? Are y'all excited about people? Yep. Are y'all excited about Jesus? Sure. Are you glad to be alive this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So um, I want to just share a couple of things with you as Julie comes. Um, uh, this next few Saturdays, starting, let's see, what day is that? The, March the 23rd. The next few Saturdays, we're going to um, be going out from here at 9 o'clock, and we're going to go out and, and door knock. Anybody know what door knocking is? We're actually not going to knock on the doors, though, for all the people that like, <laughs> I don't want to knock on anybody's door. We're just going to be hanging some door hangers on doors uh, and all the communities around our church advertising Easter. And you may have a chance actually to talk to somebody and to share the gospel with somebody. But if you're not into that and it kind of freaks you out, you can just hang a door knocker on the door and run before the dog gets you. <laughs> but, um, but we're going to be meeting here on Saturdays. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we'll have some coffee and some donuts. And more than, more than anything else is getting together and, and doing something together. Yeah, amen? And so great things happen when we do something together. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about... Uh, about what it looks like to be our brother's keeper and, uh, and the responsibility that we have to, to be our brother's keeper. You know, you know why people doesn't come to church? You know why they don't come to church? Anybody know? Because they're not invited. And, 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 and a lot of times we don't even know our neighbors and our, our, like our next door neighbors. And, um, and sometimes your neighbors are hard to get to know. It takes, it takes effort. It takes a little work. And uh, but but even just the people around us. And so we want to we want you to just, you know, know that God's called us to touch people's lives. And so with that said, <clears throat> I'm opening this Sunday with something we call RFK, RFK. And you've probably heard that mentioned around here, RFK. And Julie and John, they kind of are our, our rock stars of RFK. And she's going to help me this morning. She's going to explain to you. A little bit about RFK and, and One Hope Alliance and, and what that looks like and what that is. Take it away. Well, Royal Family Kids Camp is a camp in the summer for children, exclusively for children in foster care. They're kids that have been removed from their families for abuse, neglect, abandonment. Um, and uh, we take them for the whole week, overnight, out to a campground, and we have counselors set up. And um, it's just, it's not your typical summer camp. And um, it's, it's more about building relationships because the abuse and neglect that happened to them happened in a relationship. And the relationship with people that were supposed to care about them the most, that were supposed to be their caretaker and protect them, and it didn't happen. And so when they come to camp, we are laser-focused the entire week on building relationships. And um, any, any of y'all that have been counselors or staff at camp know that that's what we're focused on the whole time. And you pour your entire being out that week. Um, I would imagine y'all go home pretty exhausted, not just physically. Um, but this is how you show kids in foster care who God is. You don't do it by writing a check. Although you want to write us a check, that would be great. It does cost money to do camp and the kids don't pay for it. Um, but it doesn't come through giving them things. We have a birthday party. They get presents. Anything they need is provided for them. They didn't bring shampoo. We got that. They don't have shoes. We get, we get shoes. 
But what really makes the change and the difference in their life through the week of camp is seeing who God is through these healthy relationships with adults, and they have not seen that. So how will they know who God is, what his character is, if we don't go and show them? And this is such an amazing opportunity that the state is willing to let us take these kids who are in foster care and bring them out there for a week. We pray with them. We, so one of the things that we really need help with this year at camp is night angels. And night angels, in my opinion, have the best job on the campground. Because you come out in the evening, right? She's shaking her head. You come out, you bring the kids, the counselors leave, and they go get a break, right? And you come in, you give them snacks, you play games with them, you make sure they go get a shower, they get in there and get wet or something. Like, um, They lay down in their beds, you can pray with them. We have these little activity books where you go through the Bible lesson with them. Um, I've sat before and just sang next to the bed. You know, you don't sit on their bed, that's our rule. Sit next to the bed and just singing and just helping them calm down. Most of the most horrific types of abuse happen at night, and so nighttime is rough. So if you want to come out this year and minister these kids at nighttime, um, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. There is an application you have to fill out. There's background checks and screenings and things like that. We make sure we have safe people at camp. But if you would like to do that, you can get in touch with myself or John um, or Aaron March. She's not here this service. Um, and let us know that you want to come out and do that. It's only Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and it's just from 6, 6 6.30 till about 9 o'clock at night, and then you go on home. Um, so let us know if you're interested in that. Yeah, talk a little bit about uh, some cooks or some things you need for food. Yes, we do need to eat, and the kids like to eat, and they haven't had consistent nutrition. They haven't, a lot of them, been fed regularly. Um, we all sit here and 12 o'clock comes and we start saying, oh, I'm hungry. But um, we don't really know what real hunger is. <laughs> but they, they do. And so food is really important at camp. We've got to have really good nutrition but consistent meals and plenty of it. We don't want to run out of food. We, we don't want to have them go in to get more food and it's not there. And so we really need people mainly for breakfast and lunch to come out. We have a full kitchen out there at camp. Um, that might look like getting a restaurant to donate food, or that might be you just coming out and cooking a big giant breakfast. Um, and then lunches, we've done all kinds of different things for lunches. Um, we've had Chick-fil-A bring us box lunches and things like that. So we really need help uh, just facilitating that. We're kind of out there at camp all week, and we need people to kind of come to us. So. Okay, and the other thing that I want to talk about is, is the mile per uh, child and kind of share with us what mile per child is because they're going to be seeing that on our Facebook. Yes. So mile per child is an event that started when my husband decided to go out in our neighborhood and run 50 miles in 24 hours and uh, got somebody to do a news report about it just to bring awareness to what we were doing. I think it was year two of camp and we needed to raise funds. And so he got out there and did 50 miles. Just about kill himself. And then the next year... Matt Pearson came out and joined him. That was easy, right? He's just writing a check this time. Yeah. Yes, he did 50 miles. He did. Uh, as well as two other people. 
<laughs> so don't even go there. <laughs> and so uh, that was year two. Well, now, okay, you're all going to be very happy to hear you don't have to walk 50 miles anymore. What we did on year three was we turned it into a community event. And so it's called Mile Per Child, and the idea is come walk a mile in their shoes. This year we're walking one mile. This is called multiplication, right? <laughs> 50,000 people walking one mile is a better outcome. Yes, yeah. yes. So in this region for foster care, there are 908 children in foster care today in this region. So I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Um, we're taking 52 kids to camp, and um, it costs about $500 per child to cover themselves and their counselor for the week. And so really, if you think about it, $500 for what they're able to experience is like nothing. Um, but we do have to raise the funds. And so um, more than fundraising, though, this event has really kind of grown into a community event. The, the, the caseworkers that work in these regional offices, they get really excited about things like this because it's showing them that people really do care what you're doing. Like, they care about you. You have to, like, bring kids in your office day after day after day, pick them up from the ER and bring them in and try to call and find somewhere for them to go. And they're sometimes it lasts two days trying to find them somewhere to go. They have cribs and cots at the DCFS where kids sleep because there's nowhere for them to go. So <clears throat> the community needs to know that the church cares. And if all that takes is you coming out to Covington High School on April 6th and walking a mile and buying a hamburger or getting a crawfish ticket and coming and eating crawfish, let them know that we're there. The church is here and we care and we're going to do something. Even if what you can do is small, just do something. How much are the crawfish tickets? Crawfish tickets are $25. You have to get them ahead of time so they know how much to cook. You can go to... One Hope Alliance Facebook page. There's a link there. You click on the link, buy your tickets, and it's all electronic. What's the date? Saturday, April 6th from 4 to 7 in the evening. Amazing. That's everything. You did great. Let's give Julie a hand. Oh, John married up, didn't he? Way to go, John. Hey, listen. Today we're going to talk about, just for a few moments, about being our brother's keeper. And when we look at what, we're just, what we just talked about, to take care of the widows and orphan is not a good idea. It's a commandment from God. Amen. It's not just a good idea. It's what we've been called to do. It's what, what the Lord has asked of us, is to take care of He said the purest form of religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. Not how many times you go to church or how much money you give or how whatever you do, but to take care of the orphans, the purest form of religion. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to do it, but we also have an opportunity to do it and have a great time doing it and build community. So it's not just a job or a task, but it's an opportunity to grow and to do what God's created us to do. And I think it's so important for us, as I'm going to continue to preach in this message today, is that there's so important for us to understand that we were created to change the world. You're a world changer. What you do matters. And you're a world changer, and God has made us so that we work better together. We were created to work better together. And there's, there's this 
a, a tab, we're supposed to look like a tapestry of many different things and many gifts coming together to do something great. And so, and we understand that when we're divided, we, we cannot do as much as we can when we're put, when we're together and we're working together and we're united. It, it's truly a trap of the enemy because we know that uh, the stronger we are and the more united we are, the more we accomplish. And the enemy knows that the stronger we are, the more united we are, the more we accomplish. And so that's why he always keeps us divided. I mean, just in, the, just in, in America alone, there's hundreds of if not thousands of different denominations of what people call Christianity because there's always this one thing that we get divided over to keep us separated so that we don't unite and so that we don't come together and we don't, we don't have a passion for the same things because if we ever get a passion for the same things, no government can stop you. No, no, no laws, no, none of the things that come against us and all, you know, and I, 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 I see on social media every day, people complaining about this and complaining about that. But I'm going to ask you a question. Do we complain about things or do we do something about it? Do we complain about it or do we change it? And when we look at Matthew 5, uh, 25, it talks about uh, taking care of those that are less. And he said, when you've done this unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you've taken care of those that are hungry and you've closed those that are naked and you've visited those that are in prison, he said, when you've done those things, you've done them to me. And he's, he made it so clear in Matthew 25 and how powerful it is. And it's probably the most pointed scripture about the, the, your destiny when it talks about unless you do these things, you're going to be separated. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. How many want to be sheep in here today? You know that's a good thing to be a sheep, not a goat. And so he, he's separating the sheep from the goats. And so he's telling us the importance of the kingdom of God and how we should work together and we should live together and we should uh, to accomplish something greater than we can accomplish by ourselves. Back in the 1800s, 1900s, they did this thing called barn raising. And, um, and I, I'm sure people did it after that, but it was very popular to do barn raising. How many know what a barn raising is in here? I'm going to see how old you are. All right, barn raising. All right, because most of these younger people have never heard the term of barn raising. Uh, but what they did was the community would come together when you needed to build a barn, and, and everybody in the community come out and help you build your barn because it took less time, it uh, took out the cost of the labor, and it was just a community event, and the women would cook food, and there would be a celebration, and the barn would get built, and everybody was blessed, because guess what? Next month or next year, maybe you were going to build a barn. And so you were investing into uh, your own life as well as investing to others, and it was a synergy of coming together and accomplishing something that someone would not or maybe could not accomplish on their own. So I was preparing for this message this week, and I happened to see this on Facebook, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use that. Um, this, is a, this is a little short clip, and we won't show all of it, but a short clip of over 200 Amish guys coming together to move a barn across the field. Watch this. That's what you call synergy right there. 
It's when with people to come together, that was a big modern-day barn, and they picked that barn up and moved it across a field, and it only took like five minutes to do. And you would think, well, all the planning and all the stuff we could do, we could call out, uh, you know, this company, and they could come out with this, and they could lift this, and think of the expense and the cost it would cost to move that, and there's got to be a better way. But is there really a better way? Is there really a better way to do that than to bring out the people that can do it together and work together and accomplish the mission with, very, with no money or no expense hardly at all? Because you came together to do what no, one person could not do for themselves. And this is why we were created for. We are our brother's keeper. And I, I, I believe that believers should be more about being their brother's keeper than anybody else in the world. Anybody else in the world. And to support each other in the times of difficulty and to support each other in the times of celebration. To come together to share in greatness together. And to share in community together. And we need to learn how to celebrate, man. We need to learn how to celebrate people's birthdays. We need to learn how to celebrate graduations. We need to learn how to celebrate people's success and promotions on jobs. And a lot of times we, don't, we can't celebrate other people's stuff because we're so focused on our own stuff. And oftentimes we can't celebrate what they're doing or the church across town is doing because we're jealous of what we're not doing. And oftentimes we let these things, we don't celebrate things that are to be celebrated. And therefore, when it comes our time to be celebrated and we don't get any uh, celebration, we're like, oh, nobody loves me. Well, let me tell you something about this. What we invest is what we get in return, and I'm going to talk about that more. We have to learn to celebrate, and then we have to learn how to cry with people. Listen, you never know when you're going to go through a tragic or a difficult situation, and you need people around you to walk with you through that. And here's what I found out. People that know how to celebrate can also know how to walk with people when they're hurting. But people that can't celebrate find it a hard time to walk with people when they're hurting. And so we have to do both. Romans 12, 9 says this. Let the inner uh, movement of your heart always be to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Now, I can stop right there and preach for a while. But here's what I want you to do. I, don't, I want you to take your mask off today. I want us to, we're not responsible for nobody else's mask. I'm only responsible for mine. I want to take my mask off today. It's time for us to get real, to be honest, to be transparent. Despise evil. Embrace everything that is good and victorious. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. I want you to say one family. One family. We need family like we've never Need, needed family before right. we need to be a true family that cares about one another try to outdo yourself in respect and honoring one another be enthusiastic to serve the lord and keeping your passions toward him boiling hot radiant with the glow of the holy spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him let the hope let hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and, and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Listen, there, that's something that 
it's, it's rare any of these days, is to open your home to people, to open your life to people. Listen, God blessed you with that home. Anytime you, you treat your home like it's Fort Knox and nobody can come in, listen, that will cause you a problem down the road. God created, your, God gave you that home so that you could bless other people with it. Now, I know we have hotels and motels and, and uh, you know, what do you call it? Airbnb and all the other things that we have out there today. But back in the day, back in the day when people traveled, guess what they did? They stayed in other people's home. How many remember when you used to travel and you'd say, okay, we're going somewhere. We're going, look, Aunt Susie here tonight and, and um, Uncle Johnny's there tomorrow because you're just trying to get where you were going and you were finding places to stay along the way to get there. And people welcomed you in and when you got there, had a big <laughs> food on the table and you know, all that. And that don't happen very often anymore. Don't happen very often. It's because we have become so enclosed and so uh, 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 closed off to people, and and the gift of hospitality and opening our hearts and opening our homes is something that's been lost. It's been lost. But God's saying, "Hey, make room for people in your life. Speak blessing and not cursing over those who reject and and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve." Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of others' worth as you are of your own. Come on, somebody. And don't live with lofty mindset thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks to identify with those who are, who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. How can I benefit others? How, when I, when I buy a new car, when I get a new house, when I got a new job, when I get whatever I, I possess, how can I use this to benefit others? How can I touch someone else's life? If your car is too good for, to pick up somebody and bring them to church in, you need to get another car. Your car's way too good. Do your best to live, with everybody, live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with thinking, taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scripture says, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice to you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Oh, no, no, pastor. You have crossed the line. I'm going to buy him in a, something in a box, but it's not going to be lunch. Now, listen, if, you're, if, you're, if you have an enemy, buy him lunch. Surprising generosity will always awaken their conscience. God will reward you for favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. You know, you always, my dad would always say this. He'd say, don't go around looking for people's faults like they're a rainbow and there's a pot of gold at the end. Go around and, and, and look for people. Look at what they're blessed with. You can always find something good in people. Amen. And I've said this before. I believe people, for the most part, are good people. There may be a few people in the world that are just really evil, but not many. Most people are good people, and, and they're either on the wrong track, or they haven't been loved, or they haven't been cared for, or they haven't been nurtured, and so they don't know how to love or to feel love. But it's the church's responsibility as lovers of God to love people. That's our responsibility. 
It's our responsibility to care for those who are broken and hurting. And it's our responsibility to love like Jesus loved us. How many know that Jesus loved us even when we didn't deserve to be loved? And that's the kind of love that we are to have for people. Now, that's easy to preach, let me tell you. It's another thing to do, but it's easy to preach about love. But it's another thing to love people with unconditional love. Here's four indicators that I want to talk to you today about. And I'm going to try to hurry through these. And when it comes to being your brother's keeper, the number one is love. Second is blessing honor and restoration now there's a whole lot more but i just i didn't have time to, to to preach all of those things but these are the four key things i want to key in on today there's nothing more powerful than love there's nothing more powerful than love and love is more than just a word love is an action it's something we do it opens the doors it brings freedom to yourself as well as to those around you it's our responsibility as the body of Christ to love our brothers and sisters. Now, I listen, I'm all about outreach and loving people, but let me tell you something. Loving, we need to love the people right here in the household of faith, the people that are gathered around us, the people that we encounter every day. And we need to love them with an incredible, intense love because we want to be with them, to celebrate with them, and to walk through times of difficulty with them. But we have to know them and we have to learn to love them. And we have to be responsible and feel a responsibility to care for people. Romans 12 says this, Be devoted and tenderly love your fellow believers as members of one body. Like, we're all in the same family. We're one body. And I don't have time to preach about the body today, but we're all, the, this body of Christ is fitly joined together. And, you know, I wouldn't want my, my right arm not to love my left arm. That would be a little strange, right? It'd be a little, a little strange for there not to be compassion in me for the rest of my body. But, I, but as the body of Christ, I need to love everybody in this body of Christ. I need to love people that sometimes are hard and difficult to love. I need to love people the way I want to be loved. And I need to love people the way that Christ has loved me. Because we're a family. 1 Peter 3.8 says, now this is the goal. To live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love and sympathy and kindness toward other believers and let humility describe who you are as dearly, dearly loved one another. To live in harmony with one another. Can you imagine what the world would be like if the body of Christ really lived out the Scripture? Can you, I, come on, somebody. Are you here this morning? Tell your neighbor, say, wake up. Well, can you imagine what the world would be like if every believer truly lived out the Word of God by loving people? I mean, we got all kinds of problems going in the world. You look at Internet, and you look on the news, and you look on this, and you pick a side, and you get in your little corner, and you toot your little horn about what you think is right. Here's the question I have for you. Are we changing the world by loving people? Are we changing the world? Are we loving people? Are we loving people that are hurting? Listen, I want to say today publicly, I'm against abortion. I think that is wrong, and I'm against abortion, but I want to tell you something. I've never met a person who's had an abortion that wasn't broken. And I've talked to many of them. When, when they come broken before me, I don't want to say, well, you, you, you should feel the way you feel. No, I want to love them with compassion. Are you with me this morning? 
I don't want to just say, hey, I'm against that. I want to say I'm for you. Because God created you in his image, and I'm for you. And I love you. Well, pastor, you know, we got to stand up for righteousness. Yeah, well, the first fruit of righteousness is love. If you want to stand up for righteousness, love people and change the world around you. Can I get a better amen? Can I get a better amen? It don't do any good to beat on our pulpits and come to our little church services and toot our little horn and say how, how powerful we are and how great we are and how much we love God if we don't love the world around us. We become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. We absolutely means nothing. And I love Sunday morning. I love coming to church. And I love hanging out with you. And I think this is a wonderful place. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't get this outside the four walls of the church, we're just doing nothing. Because we have to love people. We have to care about people. We have to love people that are broken and hurting. And we have to live in harmony. And we have to love we choose to do this. We choose. It's a choice. It's a choice. And we spend so much time building walls instead of building bridges. We need to build bridges. We need to build bridges with people that welcome them into our hearts and into our life. We need to build bridges. Hey, you want to change people? you got to get close to people. You know, I've never helped anybody that I wasn't close to. I've never helped anybody that I didn't have to get out of my comfort zone. I've never helped anybody that didn't cost me something. Not even my own kids. It costs you something to love. And we have to be willing to do that. It costs us something. And we choose oftentimes of being right over being united. Well, I'm right. I'm right about my stand. I'm right about my political view. I'm right about where I am. And so therefore... You're not accepted till you believe like me. Listen, if that was the case, there would be no families. Because I know that in 27 years, 27 years in just a few days, been married 27 years, and there are still things we don't agree on. So if I thought unity was based on agreement, I, I would just, it would be over with. If I thought, man, I can only love my kids if they believe like me, we'd be in trouble because some of them don't believe like me. I mean, they have a right to be wrong. And so, <laughs> it's their privilege. Just joking, just joking, no dirty ass. And so, in life, in life, we can't take our political stand or, our, or even our, 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 our doctrinal stand or whatever it is and then hate people with what God has gifted us with. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amen. And we have to love and we have to unify. Listen, unity is hard. There's nobody that loves unity more than me, but there, I mean, I've been worn out trying to unify people. Oh, my God. I mean, just tired. It's like I don't want to have another day that I want to get everybody together. Y'all are killing me. Just go do what you want to do. It's easier that way. The truth is that's what the enemy wants us to believe. He wants us to believe don't go through the effort. Don't go through the work. Don't do the task necessary. Because the enemy wants to keep us divided because we're so powerful together. We're so powerful together. Number two, blessing. We need to learn how, we need to, learn how to bless others and how to receive a blessing. To help those in need and to be able to receive help when we're in need. And to give without expectation and to receive without obligation. Did y'all get all that? 
Let me say it again. We need to learn how to bless and how to receive a blessing to help those that are in need and be able to receive help when we are in need without expectation and receive without obligation. You can't give somebody, bless somebody, then a year later say, I told you, you remember that time I did this for you? You owe me. Well, you didn't bless them at all. You just hung something over their head. You just put them in a cage. You just said, if I do something for you, you owe me something. Or I'm glad Jesus didn't do that for us, right? I'm glad he said, I'm going to do for you, and regardless of what you do with it, I'm going to love you regardless. Hey, and we need to learn how to receive. Listen, one of my most difficult things is not giving to the people. One of my most difficult things is receiving from people. I, I, I got sometimes there's too much pride, Michael, to receive when people. Somebody's trying to bless me. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I'm good. I'm broke as a joke. I don't have any gas for my car, but I can't receive from you because I got too much pride. Too much pride. We got to learn how to receive. We got to learn how to accept. We got to learn that God's knitted us together to bless us. And so oftentimes we don't know people have a need because we don't know people. We don't know people. Now, in this house today, we have some friends here today that we, uh, a few of us went on a missions trip together and <clears throat> i'll be honest with you i knew everybody's name on the mission trip i've talked to them before whatever but when we got on that mission trip and we got to talk and we got to visit and we got to spend time together guess what i got to know some things about them i didn't know i got to hear some things about them that i, I that i needed to hear i got I, I saw some needs some places that i needed to help some people that i wouldn't have known had i not been with them in a more intimate setting it's important that we learn how to love. And I found out something even last night by being with people. I found out that Debbie Dunn can outbowl me. <laughs> but it's a challenge. We're going to do it again. <laughs> I did find out one thing. Get her, she, she wear out after the first round. You got to get her in the second round, second round. There we go. I can't walk this morning, by the way. My knee's hurting. I just want to tell you that all my professional bowling skills... <laughs> terrible but last night was so much fun yeah nicole beat me last night twice and and i, I thought man this is gonna be good tonight ain't nobody here can beat me but i got beat and so but you know what we had so much fun last night and then we went out to dinner last night and we hung out together and in those moments you get to know people you get to know people you got to live outside your little circle you got to live outside these little, there's people that are, in, that, are, that are the piece of the puzzle that you've been needing your whole life. They are the finished piece of the puzzle in your life. And because you don't open yourself to people, your life's not finished. Because we're a tapestry. We're made to be together. We're made to work together. So it's so important that we learn that and know how to bless people and how to care about people. In Acts 20, 35, it says, lift up. I've lifted you up as an example of how you should serve and to take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus, who taught us giving brings far greater blessing than receiving. When we live generous life, we live a life of blessing. When we live a generous life, we live a life of blessing. You can't outgive. This promise and principle of God is more than you just giving 
It's about also living to be blessed. Everybody wants to be blessed. But our generosity will always determine our blessing. Luke 6, 38 says, Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts with more, with, will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes your measurement of return. Come on, somebody said that's a good word. Your measurement of generosity will determine your measurement of return. If you, want, if you want to be happy and you want to have people in your life and you want to have friends, be a friend. Be a friend. Be a person that cares for people. If you want someone to come see you when you're sick, go see others when they're sick. Come on, somebody. If you want someone to come to your uh, wedding shower, go to their wedding shower. If you want somebody to come to your baby shower, go to their baby shower. If you want somebody to come to your birthday party, go to their birthday party. If you want somebody to come to your funeral, you might already go to somebody else's funeral. Oh, pastor, that's morbid. Listen, we come through, through life and we, get, and we have all these expectations, but, we, but our expectations is based upon our ability to give out, not what we get in. There was a guy in Shreveport, Louisiana. He was a very wealthy man. I don't know his name. I, don't, I just remember the story, but he, uh, Papa, you may remember this. He had a corner in the, over on For, Forbes, I think it was, and, and, and now that's all grown up now, but there was this, uh, before it was all these houses and, and stores and all that, there was this corner place of several, uh, several hundred acres, I think, or, or it was a big place, and it was all fenced off with a big high fence. And it was, and as kids, we wanted to go sneak over that fence and find out what was back there because it was this mystery man that lived back there. He never came out. And so we wanted to crawl the fence and see what was out there. But it was guarded and had barbed wire over the top. And, and I can remember many times, I like, I want to go climb that fence or dig under it or find out what's behind that fence. Who is this man? Who is this masked man? <laughs> and so the story goes like this, that, that, uh, you know, nobody ever knew him or knew about him. There just was a story that he was a very wealthy man. But I remember when he died. I remember that it was long after he had died or many days or weeks, I don't remember the exact time frame, that they found his body. Because he had closed himself off from everybody else, he had no one to care for him when he was old. And he died alone in his little retreat with all of his money and all of his possessions. And, the, and, and, and everything that he had died right there on that corner with him. Listen, all the money in the world, all the, all the stuff in the world is not more important than having somebody with you when you go through the most difficult times in life. And I don't want to close myself off. And I don't want to shut the world down and then when i need people in my life i have no one there with me so how do i keep that from happening i'm generous i give out i love people i respond to other people's needs i'm there when they need me i walk with them when they're going through difficult times and i celebrate them with them when they're going through great times and there in return comes this generosity that comes back to myself now let me tell you something. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. A kind word, a letter of encouragement, 
a text, an email, a slap on the back, a hello, a friendly gesture. I saw, I was at the store the other day. I didn't even think anything about it. But this lady had walked to her car with her buggy and she had unloaded her buggy and she was about to turn around and take her buggy back. And I said, ma'am, can I take that buggy for you? And it was like she couldn't get over it. Like, oh, I, yeah, oh, she was taken back. Well, I mean, I was walking to the door. It was not, I mean, no big effort. I probably needed the buggy, to be honest. But the issue is this, what little small things that matter. Oh, that's her buggy. That's her problem. That's, let them open their own door. Let them get their own groceries. Let them do their own thing. Let them mow their own yard, even though they're suffering. Let them do, and then we do all, we shut ourselves off. But what a spirit of generosity brings back is people coming to us and saying, can I now do for you? Can I bless you? Because you can't outgive in the place of blessing. Honor. I'm going to hurry. 1 Peter 2, 17 says, Recognize the value of every person and continue to show love to every believer. Recognize the value of every person. Live your lives with great reverence and holy awe of God and honor your rulers. Recognize every person's gift. I want everybody to listen to me right here, okay? Because I'm going to say something to you that's going to change your life. It's just as easy to recognize someone else's gift as it is to find their failure. It's a matter of decision. But we live in such a negative, condescending, put-down world. Dog-eat-dog. The way I get to the top is to step on you. That makes me greater. That's the way of the world, not the way of the Father. But when we learn to pull out people's gifts and say, listen, I see some greatness in you. I see something in your life that maybe you haven't seen yourself. I believe in you. You know a simple word sometimes to tell somebody, I believe in you? But do you really believe him? Yes, I believe in every person that God created that God has something amazing for. So that's real easy for me to say. I believe in you. I look for those, those things in their life that God's gifted them with. I want to say to them, look, this is what God has gifted you with. This is how you're amazing. And when we find people's gifts and we tell them about them, then they sometimes can see what God sees in them. So we find value in people. And when we value people and we see their best and we love them the way that God loves them and we give grace to their shortcomings. Now listen, this is not for everybody in the room because I'm sure we got people in here that are perfect. But for all of us unperfect people, right? For all of us unperfect people. We don't like somebody sitting around always telling us what we're not good at, what we did wrong, how you can't accomplish this. And here's what I found out in life. I've got some shortcomings and I want to put people around me who have strengths in those places where I'm short. But I also want to say to people like, hey, I want to cover for your shortcomings. Because we're better together. I can't do this without you. And you can't do this without me. 
I'll never forget a teaching that Brother Craig Martin taught me in leadership when I was just a young youth pastor. I was coming to him one day about one of our leaders that was above us, and I was saying, you know, I really don't like the way he does this or that or don't take time for people in this area of where he seems to be, you know, not interested. And I was really coming to complain, really to complain and to say, listen, you know, I, I don't like this. I think he should do this. Instead, that turned on me because Craig Martin always has a way of bringing back the gospel to where it needs to be. And he said to me, he said, son, it's your job to see that hole in their life and to fill it. Whoa, wait a minute. I came to claim now you gave me a responsibility. He said, because you're great with people and people like you. So you should take what you're great at and fill the void of where he lacks. That has rung in my ear for years, for years. What am I doing for my neighbor, my friend, my brother, my sister that I'm seeing a lack in their life? Instead of saying, look, this is what you like. You need to improve upon this. If you don't get better at this, you're not going to be any good. But look, I'm going to make up the difference for you. I'm going to fill in the gap for you. Because you know what? I got some gaps. And you're good at those gaps. I need you to fill in the gap for me. Are you all with me this morning? This is good Bible teaching today. Because when we do that, guess what? We become the body of Christ that God created us to become. And we become very attractional to the world around us because people need help you need help by the way we need help and so we make a place for people to feel safe they can come with their shortcomings because we value who god created them to be come on give the lord a shout of praise for that this morning so we honor we honor we don't criticize we don't point out their faults. You know what I find out? People that's always criticizing, pointing out other people's faults, they can't see their own. That's called pride. And it's so easy to point out the splinter in somebody else's eye while you're carrying a beam in your own. We need to say, now, Lord, help me to see what I need to change and help me to honor others and lift them up and help them to see what you created them to be. The last is Restoration. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, But instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously, graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. That's powerful. Matthew 6, 14. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness... From others, your father withholds forgiveness from you. Somebody say, ow. (laughs) I mean, that's even hard to say amen to. That's like, oh, ow, oh, wait a minute. Are you saying I have to forgive others so that God forgives me? No, I'm not saying that. That's what the Bible's saying. Well, you don't know what they've done. But But you know what you've done. And you want the Father to forgive you, so forgive others. Forgive others. Well, powerful. That's powerful. That's restoration. And the Galatians 6 says, My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, 
May the one of you that overflows with the Spirit seek to restore him. Win him over with gentle words, which would open his heart, and you will keep it will keep you from exalting yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry out each other's troubles. And if you think you're too important to stoop down and to help another, you're living in deception. We're none of us that important. We're none of us that great. And we have to learn to restore. I always think it's funny, you know, maybe a pastor or a leader or someone, you, you know, in a circle that you're in or a friend or whatever, they, they have a problem in their life. And that spiritual person always speaks up and says, well, I knew the whole time that they were struggling with that. Oh, you're so prophetic. Why didn't you, how come you haven't been restoring them? If you're so anointed to know, why, why haven't you been at work trying to make a place for them and to restore them and to help them? And so many things happen in our life and we don't get restoration because there's not a safe place because the body of Christ is not a safe place sometimes where people can come and say, man, I'm struggling with something. Because, oh, no, don't tell them you're struggling because they got it all together. None of us got it all together. We don't all have it together, and we need a safe place and a community where there's love and forgiveness, and we're restoring people, and they feel like, man, I can say this is the problem in my life. I need restoration. I need hope. I need healing. I need someone to love me. And until you got it all perfect, and you're perfect in all your ways, you've got to be a place of restoration because you're going to need restoration, and you're going to need hope. Come on, that's a good word. That's a good word. So we're going to love people. We're going to care for people. We're going to be the body of Christ. We're going to restore. We're going to take care of those that are struggling. And we're going to go through our lives helping those who need help. And truly children of God will always be responsible to help restore those who have fallen. That's our, goal. That's our calling. That's our purpose. And so that's why we're called to be our brother's keeper. I had my wife read over this message last night, and, and she, uh, as she finished reading it, she brought out a good point that I need to cover today. It's like when people get self-centered about themselves, and they forget to serve, and they quit the loving people, they, they get all caught up in their own little thing, what's going on in their life, and how my little baggage and all my little problems, and I got my own business, and got my own cross to bear my own weights i've got my own burdens i don't have time for everybody else's stuff i'm too focused on my own pressures of life well if you've ever counseled with me i've probably asked you this question i've probably asked you this question when you come and i i say well who are you serving who are you serving because here's what i found out in life when we're self-centered and we're always focused on our own problems, they just get bigger. They get bigger and bigger. But when we take the time in our life to focus on other people, we set our little burdens down, we start helping someone else, guess what happens? Our little problems seem to get smaller. Our focus tends to look over here and say, listen, while I'm helping you, guess what it's doing? It's helping me. While I'm saving you, I'm saving myself. While I'm bringing you hope, I'm receiving hope. While I'm giving you joy, I'm getting joy. Because why? Because what I was struggling with now has become less important to me, and God is healing me as I serve others. 
as I serve others. If you're captivated by your problems in life, why don't you spend a day feeding the poor? If you're struggling with something going on in your life, why don't you restore somebody that's hurting? And I promise you, God will show up big in your life. He'll show up big in your life, and he'll start showing you things that you've never seen before because it's his principle, and that's how God loves. He loves with great love. Come, Heather. So here's what I want to do today. I wondered sometimes, you know, when you're in a, a group of people and you go to church with people and you look around the room and you recognize faces and but then you see them at the grocery store and you see them coming you're like oh what's their name I know I saw them across the church the other day I hope they don't speak to me because I don't know their name because our lives are so busy and, and I'm I, I'm guilty as too I'm not throwing that on anybody we get so busy with life we get so busy with trying to accomplish this or accomplish that or get the kids to school and just doing life that our world gets so small, so tiny, so recluse, not intentionally sometimes, unintentionally. We need to take time to say, hey, I need to share some of my life with you and I need to share some of your life with me. I need to get to know you. I need to spend some time with you. I need to break bread with you. It was a principle of Jesus. If you read the New Testament, Jesus was always taking time out to break bread with people. It was a principle. It was a core value of him. Okay, let's leave the big tent meeting, the 5,000. Let's go get around a little fire somewhere. And let's break some bread. Let's eat some fish. Let's get to know one another. Because there's a day coming we're going to need each other. So important. So important that we have community. And we're not just a number on a pew. But we're a community of believers that are intertwined and, and loved and cared by each other. We're a tapestry, a beautiful, beautiful tapestry. And here's the deal. You might very well be the piece of the puzzle that that other person needs to finish their page. Don't hold out on others because that you may need them to finish out your picture. Fitly joined together for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Because it's really not about you anyway. It's really all about him. It's really all about him. So stand with me this morning. We're going to do something different in closing today. I want you to look around the room today. Come on, take the time. Look around. It's okay. Don't feel awkward. It's just family here. Just look around. Take a little time to evaluate. Take a moment. You see somebody, you don't know their name? Don't know where they live? Don't know where they work? Won't you take about five minutes, and we're going to do this in closing day. This is, our, this is our closing altar time right here. I want you to go find somebody and say, Oh, pastor, you're about to make me nervous. 
I understand. I get it. Go to find somebody and introduce yourself. Get to know somebody real quick. And then tell them, I want to bless you. God loves you. You're a world changer. Ready? Y'all ready? You ready? All right. All, all, all you, all you uh, introverts, go. Go.